What's up, Bandive crew? James here. And before we jump into this episode, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever wished there was a way to connect with me as well as other listeners in real time? I have the solution. I finally got around to making a Bandive Discord server, which is people have been asking me for years and I just wasn't listening. I wish I had done this sooner because I couldn't be happier with the results. It's been fantastic. And we would love to see you join us. We have discussions about the music business, gear, the podcast, and a general channel as well. You can join the discussion now by visiting bandhive.rocks slash discord. Again, that is bandhive.rocks slash discord. Welcome to episode 39 of the Bandhive podcast. You're listening to the Bandhive podcast, the number one online resource for DIY bands to learn about the music business and touring. If you want to turn your band into a lean, mean touring machine, you're in the right place. Now, let's get this show on the road. It is time for another episode of the Band Hive Podcast. My name is James Cross, and I'm here with Aaron Jingris of the band Suburban Samurai. How's it going today, Aaron? I'm doing quite well. Back on the odd number. Yeah. That's going to be the thing that I riff on at the beginning (laughs) of all of my episodes now, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, Speaking of being back on numbers, we recorded the first episode of the Bandhive podcast on August 25th last year. Of That was 2019. And it didn't come out till December because we got way ahead on episodes and wanted to have 10 in the books ready to go, just in case, which was a really good thing because, you know, the global pandemic and all that happened and we didn't record an episode for, I think, the entire month of March or maybe we only recorded one. Mm-hmm. But it was really great to have so many episodes recorded in advance. The reason I'm bringing this up is that this episode that we're recording on August 1st, 2020, actually comes out on the one-year anniversary of that first recording. This episode will be released on Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. So, happy one-year future birthday to us, but by the time anyone else hears this, happy one-year birthday, kind of, like... (laughs) I, I guess the yeah. uh, conception of the podcast was August 25th. <laughs> the birthday will be in December. But anyway, we've officially been working on this podcast for a year as of the time this episode comes out. And it's been an awesome ride. We've got a lot of great feedback. And honestly, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast, given us feedback, who's come on the podcast. It's been really awesome to have guests like uh, Infinite Signal was on. Adam from Pickwick Commons, Ryan from Robot Dog Studio, and obviously Brandon Cunningham from Kauai AF. That was an amazing interview. I'm probably forgetting one or two others, but we've had so many great guests. It's been really amazing. And here's to many more guests as well as episodes. And all of the discussion and the group online as well. It's just, it's been so awesome to hear everybody's thoughts and just to kind of see where everybody's coming from and where they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone is not in that group yet and you want to join, just head over to better.band slash group and you will be redirected to our Facebook group. Or of course, you can just search for us on Facebook, Bandhive, and you will find our group. So the funny thing about all of this is when we first started recording the podcast, we planned to make it all about touring because that's the background that both Aaron and I have. And Matt, as well. He's got a lot more marketing under his belt, but he also has a lot of touring knowledge. And then after about the first five or six episodes, I want to say, when we had Matt come in, we decided actually, you know what, we're going to pivot and really 
get going with music industry in general. And it's so great that we did because, you know, three months after we launched COVID and no one can tour right now. So imagine being a podcast all about touring during a pandemic when no one can tour. That would have been really bad timing. So just want to give ourselves a pat on the back there for preemptively dodging the bullet. We had no idea what was going on or would be going on just like everyone else, but we got really lucky with that. Lucky to have uh, diversified our IP portfolio for sure. Yes, exactly. And so this episode is going to be all about booking shows. And we have to put the COVID disclaimer in here that if you're going to book in-person shows, be safe, don't be an idiot, make sure everybody has their masks on, social distance as much as possible. You know, I worked a stream last month for the town of Fairfax, Vermont, and it was their 4th of July celebration, which last year had, I think, over 1,500 people there. This year, it was just a live stream, the bands and crew only. It was a blast to work it. It was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. But it was obvious to me, seeing that, that in-person gigs have a long way to go before they're truly safe. It is tough to have a gig and social distance a band on a small stage or social distance the sound engineers or the audience if you're in a cafe or anything like that. We are also going to talk about booking live streams on here. So hopefully you haven't tuned out already. And for anyone who did, oh, well, sucks to be you. (laughs) Don't tune out now because we're giving you the fair warning that there will be live streaming topics in this episode as well. And so to actually get into what it is, we're going to talk about booking etiquette and getting your first shows as an artist. Now, if you go back to episode five, we had a great episode about how you can get more shows outside your hometown. And Aaron, you had a really great system there that I think everyone should hear about because you have a lot of thought and you've been doing that with SubSam for over five years now, COVID break aside. (laughs) So in that episode, it was all about getting shows in areas where you don't know anyone or you haven't ever played before, but you already have a repertoire of songs and you're established in your home area, your town or state, depending on where you live. But we didn't cover how to get your very first shows as an artist. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Aaron, if you want to take this away, go for it. Yeah. So basically, if you have written a couple of songs, you're starting to get your act together, pun intended. If you don't have the show history, uh, if you haven't yet established those connections with the promoters, you know, maybe you haven't established many connections with other bands, with other people trying to do the same thing that you're doing how can you get started? It's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. And it is kind of funny because at a certain point, you kind of just have to jump in. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what to do and a little bit about what not to do. Starting out, if you, again, if you're without presence, if you don't have the digital numbers, if you're just starting with the website, the social media, you know, maybe you've recorded some tunes and you've thrown them up online and you're just starting to sort of build your base and gather some streams Hopefully with that, you're just starting to build your audience. And so what's the next step? Do all of that to get all of your ducks in a row and sort of assemble the package and then prepare to introduce your baby to the world. So the first thing that we have on our list for today is get to know those local gatekeepers, the promoters, other artists, and start establishing those connections. The best way to do that would be just going to shows. You can grow your relationship with other people who are a part of the local community. 
Um, and then that way, when you're ready to play, you'll already know somebody who might be willing to give you a shot or, you know, help introduce you to somebody else who, you know, is in a position to give you that shot. There's nothing wrong with asking. There's maybe a way to do it and a way not to do it. But don't be afraid. You got to make that connection at some point and you got to start somewhere and the right people will notice the hard work and appreciate the effort. That being said, you know, living within the era of COVID at the moment, the same thing could be applied to remote anything. Think about your networking in Facebook groups, Instagram, all of the socials. Same principles can apply to the remote relationships too. And they can, in some ways, be just as, if not maybe even more effective. Yeah, exactly. And there's this kind of mystery around getting your first show that a lot of artists really kind of see a barrier and so we're going to try to pierce the veil so everyone can understand how to get your first show and, you know, not have that stage fright of asking, hey, I want to play a show. I do have to interject here and say that was such a good one. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for the proper moment for that. I thought of it like two minutes ago. I was like, oh, there's going to be a spot for this pun. <laughs> so anyway, going further, we have a few rules of thumb for getting shows. And the basic analogy here is it's kind of like asking someone out. The first thing is you don't want to obsess over one venue or promoter who keeps turning you down. If somebody's turned you down repeatedly, just find the next one and move on. You don't want to come back over and over and over again and act desperate because people can smell that a mile away and once they realize that, they're going to think that there's something wrong. Like, you can't pull your weight when it comes to bringing an audience, which means the venue will lose money either on bar sales or the door split if they're doing a door deal. Continuing on from that, you have to have a solid ask. You don't want to say, hey, do you have any shows coming up that I can hop on? Because then they have to do the work. They have to think about what music you play and find a bill that's a good fit for you which is not ideal because that makes them do more work to help you. Instead, you should look at the schedule and see what's coming up and where they might be able to fit in another act. So if, for example, it's an early show and it's scheduled for, you know, four hours, like six to 10 or seven to 11, but they only have three acts, they could probably fit another band on there for 20 or 30 minutes. And if the other acts are somewhat in line with the music you play, you can reach out and say, hey, I see XYZ Band is playing next month. Is there any room on the bill for us to do a 20 to 30 minute opening set? The key here is that if you get turned down, don't get angry. That's going to burn bridges. Instead, you just want to say, no worries. Thanks for getting back to me. I'll hit you up next time I see a bill I think we would be a good fit on. So that shows the promoter or venue booker that you're not just looking to get on any show you're trying to find a lineup that will not only benefit you, but your music will be a good fit and add value to the patrons who are there that evening. Because you don't want to be a rock band playing on a country bill. It's not going to do you any good, and it's not going to do the venue any good, and it's not going to do the country act any good. Because anyone who is there, if they don't like rock, or if it just doesn't fit the mood, they're going to be like, oh, what is this? This is terrible. And either they'll leave or they'll just be in a bad mood. And you don't want that. Plus, those people will then have a bad image of you. I have a story here. Years ago, 
I saw a great psychobilly horrorcore type band called Stellar Corpses, one of my favorite bands of all time. And they played a bar in Massachusetts. And unfortunately, it was really empty because it was booked last minute. And the Stellar Corpses guys at the time, this was, I want to say, 2013. So they were probably in their late 20s, early 30s, I would wager. And the bar booked a surf rock act to open, made up of guys in their 60s at the least. Nice. It did not go well. What's more is doors were at 8. The surf rock band played from 9 to 10.30, and Stellar Corpses played from 11.30 to 12.30. Not because that's when they wanted to play, but because that's what the venue set up as the production schedule. Now, I think they would have given Stellar Corpses a little longer of a set if they wanted it, but either way, having an opening act play an hour and a half is a terrible idea, especially if they don't fit the music at all, and they're terrible. This was just a bunch of dads who play in their garage. That's my image of them. They were all wearing their own t-shirts, like the band shirts. Oh boy. Which, if you're on the road and something and you run out of clothes, sure, toss on one of your shirts. But these guys were from like 10, 15 minutes down the road. You can put on a shirt that doesn't have your face on it. So that just, I mean, Stellar Corpses slayed it that night. It was a great show on their part. But it was just such a weird event. And it was really a bummer to have that. And the thing is, in Boston, the uh, subway at that time shut down at 1230. And we only had four extra seats in the car. So one of my friends actually had to leave and go home early before Stellar Corpses even was playing because they were going on so late. If doors are opening at 8, honestly, the headliner should be going on at 10 at the latest if there's one opener. That's thinking music starts at 9, opener gets half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, and then you have a 15 to 30 minute changeover and the headliner goes on. Especially for a small bar, doors should be like 15 minutes. Doors at 8, show 8.15, the opener plays till 8.45, 9.15 at the latest Stellar Corpses, and they play till 10.45, done by 11. Get in, play, get out, we're done. Yeah. So that's my rant for the day. <laughs> Based on your description so far, I also wouldn't be surprised if that show was on like either a Tuesday night or like a Sunday night. I believe it was a Thursday, but I can't recall for sure. It's been so long. That being said, understanding not every night can be a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that sounds like a mess. But it sounds like they handled it well and they still killed the set in the way that they could. Yeah. And then it was great to, a couple years later, see Stellar Corpses in California where they're from. And like they sold out this bar that holds like 150 people or maybe 120 people. And it was awesome. And there was just like, everyone is just stoked to be there. It's like, whoa, this is the total opposite. Like, (laughs) this is really cool. That was really fun. And overall, a good experience, except for the fact that The venue just had no idea what they're doing. And as far as I know, the venue closed years ago for some other unrelated stuff that we won't get into. And it's not the other Massachusetts sketchy venue that I've talked about in the podcast publicly. (laughs) It's not that one. I guess there's a lot of sketchy venues out there, which is something that segues perfectly into the next thing you wanted to talk about, Aaron. Yeah. So we're going to get into red flags for live shows. Going to keep it short and sweet here because we've touched on points sort of and, and scattered them throughout. 
other episodes, but really some of the main pieces that we'd want to pay attention to would be doing our best to educate ourselves and then, you know, maybe avoid predatory promoters or venues or, you know, other people in positions of power or gatekeepers. On a recent episode, we we did talk about all the reasons why you need to learn more about the opportunity, you know, than just writing off something that is just labeled as pay to play right away. Because a lot of people do pay to play in a number of different situations and you might not even realize that it's happening, but it is. Yeah, that was episode 33, Five Lies Too Many Musicians Believe, Overcoming Common Music Myths. So if anyone wants to listen to that episode, just head on over to bandhive.rocks slash 33. That's the numbers three, three. And you can check out that episode. Yeah, as the listeners can tell, super easy to like duck into any of these rabbit holes. But um, if you want to hear more, go check out that episode. But basically, avoiding predatory practices and promoters or venues or other gatekeepers. You also want to make sure that you're not wasting your own or other people's time. So really the question I usually ask myself when I'm setting up a gig or an event, whatever it is, is, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Are the other parties who are involved, whatever this is, going to walk away at the end of the night thinking, wow, that was worth my time? You know, we want to make sure that everybody feels like they either have got something out of the experience or, or that at the very least they haven't, you know, lost a night where they could otherwise have been, you know, reading or watching TV or something. You want to have everybody feel invested and you got to put a little work into that. And finally, not so much, again, a red flag is is something just to be aware of and, and something you want to pay attention to is that is lack of preparation. You want to make sure that anything that you're getting yourself into, you want to make sure that you're prepared for it as best you can. And then you also want to keep an eye out on, again, it kind of calls back to point one, the predatory practices. It's not going to do you any good if you're as prepared as can be, but then you show up to the gig or to the recording studio or whatever it is that you're doing and you're the only one who's prepared because that's going to be just as, if not maybe even more painful, depending on what you're doing. So a few points to... Um, try to continue to uh, be aware of and avoid. Make sure you're knocking out what you're doing with uh, a good group of people. Nobody's wasting their time and that everybody's prepared and invested in whatever it is that you're doing. Exactly. And that comes down to a few things that we should do for live shows. And the first thing we're going to say is a shout out to episode 13, pre-show communication could save your show and your life. And that title sounds clickbaity, but we really mean that seriously. Communication can be very important. I shouldn't say can be, it is very important. So if you want to check that one out, bandhive.rocks slash 13. That's the numbers one, three. And that goes right into the lack of preparation that you're talking about, Aaron. But some of the things just briefly that should be covered are what is the event? So who's playing? What are you playing? You know, how long, when, where, why, all that kind of stuff. And then before the show happens, you should negotiate your pay, but know your value and keep it realistic. And so that means, you know, if you're playing for zero dollars, that's fine. But that's a conversation that has to be had. Don't expect to not get paid. You have to work with a promoter and say, hey, what's the pay for this gig? And if they say zero dollars and you're okay with that, that's fine. But the conversation needs to happen. A second thing that you need to pay attention to is what's the goal that this event will help you build towards? So are you trying to 
grow an audience in a certain market? Are you connecting with local bands and promoters? Or are you just trying to get more shows under your belt so you can work on your stage presence? Which we also have an episode all about stage presence. That is number 17, Fix Your Stage Presence Now. If you want to check that one out, it's bandhive.rocks slash 17, the number's 17. That all aside, things are very, very different right now. And a lot of what we have said does apply to the COVID era as far as streaming and remote events and stuff like that. But I think you've got more detail here, Aaron, since I know you guys are actually setting up a bunch of live stream stuff right now for SubSam. We are. I need to stop using the, uh, oh no, I'm spoiling the surprise joke because I I think (laughs) I've milked just about as many uses out of that as I can. But yeah, we're setting up to do that. So let's talk a little bit about streaming and and remote event to-dos. Obviously, first and foremost, we did dive quite a bit deeper into this topic, episode 34, which was titled How to Provide a High-Value Live Stream to Your Fans. We had Mr. Ryan Cohen of Robot Dog Studio right here in Vermont on the episode, and he was able to provide a lot of really great detail, a little bit of background on what he's doing now and then where he started and then sort of what the path between those two points looked like and, you know, what uh, we also discussed what you could be doing to sort of improve your game if you so choose as well. So that was episode 34, how to provide a high value live stream to your fans with Ryan Cohen of Robot Dog Studio. Yep. And that'll be at bandhive.rocks slash three, four, the number 34. And he's actually doing a live stream with the band Sachem right now, who are Bandhive followers. So as soon as we're done recording this, I know what I'm going to do is head on over to that stream and watch their set. Basically, to run through these points quickly, we're really just talking about promoting events as what they are, events. You know, streams are very similar and, and in many ways just like a live gig. You can work with other bands or maybe even other venues or other businesses within your community. Of course, that can be local, physical, geographic community, or it could be you working with other bands or entities sort of within your scene, and that could be remote, as anything can. So you can work with other people just like you would with a live gig. Of course, we do need to mention again, that depends on how your area is doing with the outbreak and what regulations or challenges your area might be facing at the moment. But there are opportunities there. So just like you would with a live gig, you could work with people on the audio portion of the content, the video itself. You could work with restaurants or bars or other local businesses on sponsorship agreements. You could even work with other bands, either live in the same space, again, depending on regulation or remotely, and step the game up and kind of have like an opener or a co-performer take part in the stream as well. So... There are a lot of things, a lot of new things that everybody's going to start to be able to do and are already doing because of everything that we're all dealing with together with this thing. But I think it's really funny and I can really appreciate the fact that I and I think a lot of others are realizing, at least for streaming events, there are a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities between remote events, streaming events and live gigs there's a lot that carries over from one to the other. So I really do think that we, you know, if we've all been gigging for a while, we kind of have a really great head start. And if you've been thinking about or 
working your way up to starting to play out for your first time, none of that thought has been wasted. None of the energy has been wasted. And there are a lot of ways that you can apply what you've already put in all the work to kind of pivoting just a little bit and still reaching a lot of people and hopefully having a, a really good time doing it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important for people to realize that you can't just toss a live stream up and expect people to come. A few people might see it, but if you promote it like a show, which is what Ryan was talking about on that episode, that was one of his main points was have a good production and promote it. It's not an if you build it, they will come scenario. Like it's not going to be if you stream it, they will come. If you promote it, they might come, but you have to be convincing about it. In all of this, when we're talking about booking your first show or your live stream, you need to find the right balance between aiming for perfection and delivering a subpar product and experience. You have to find an equilibrium that's realistic. Obviously, you want to be as good as you can be, but if you go for perfection, you're going to end up you know, rehearsing for 10 years and playing one show in that entire time. That's something that Uh, One of our Bandhive listeners mentioned in a past episode, Freda from the band Belitsky wrote in about one of her past bands making that mistake. And we talked about it in episode 29, nine mistakes most bands make during their careers. So you can listen to that one at bandhive.rocks slash 29. That's the number two nine. And it really is true. So many bands make that mistake and just don't put themselves out there. So it's great to see that Freda and her new band are getting out there and they have music out. They're playing shows. Well, they were playing shows until the pandemic. But this is something that we have to stress. And I want to say, if you are a new band right now who cannot play live, do something. Get a live stream out there. You have to engage your audience somehow. There are bands out there who are 100% remote even before the pandemic. And they do incredibly well. They'll do like a live session where they each record their parts in one take and do a video for it and all that and just stitch it together. And that's what they do. So the opportunities are there. You just have to figure out what fits your needs the best. All this boils down to don't jump into something too quickly. You have to do your research and know what you're getting into so you can do it properly the first time. That does it for another episode of the Bandhive podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope that this episode gives you some ideas and insight into booking your first show or live stream. Just want to say, hey, take precautions if you are playing out, wear your masks, social distance as much as possible, and try to find out what the venue is doing to keep people safe before you confirm your show. Because even if you do everything to stay safe, if the venue isn't, there might be issues. On an unrelated note, if you happen to be listening in Apple Podcasts or iTunes, we would love to get your feedback. If you could take a few seconds to leave a rating and review so we know what we're doing well and what we can improve on, that would be absolutely appreciated. We'll be back next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time with another episode. The next one is going to be all about cover songs and whether you should record and release them. That was a really fun episode to record, so I hope you enjoy it. Again, that'll be live next Tuesday at 6 a.m. In the meantime, we hope you have an awesome week. And of course, as always, keep rocking.
It is time for another episode of the Bandhive podcast. My name is James Cross, and I'm here with me again. <laughs> I said something backwards. I don't even understand what. Redo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you. With the headphones or the speakers. You've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. While I still have you here, if you're not already in the Bandhive Facebook community, it would be great to see you there. We have over 600 like-minded musicians who are asking questions, sharing their experiences and advice, and much more. So if you want to improve your band's business, look no further than the Bandhive Facebook community. You can find it by searching for Bandhive on Facebook, that's B-A-N-D-H-I-V-E, or going to bandhive.rocks slash group. Again, that's bandhive.rocks slash group, and that will automatically redirect you to our Facebook community. I look forward to seeing you there soon.